I will try and uh, cover this pretty quickly here this evening with the weather. And it would be nice to be able to get people on the highway before it dips below 32 on that highway with rain hitting out there right now. First John chapter 4, and let's read down through the first six verses right here. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God. Because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Colon. Here's some tests to give. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist. Wherefore, ye have heard that it should come, even now already is in the world. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. They are of the world. Therefore, uh, speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Let's go ahead and pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we love you. We pray for your helping, your, your help upon the message tonight. Lord, help me to stay true to your word. Guide and direct. I pray for your mercy and your grace. May this help us, Lord, teach us tonight. And uh, Lord, I pray it would draw us closer to you. If there's anyone here who has never truly been converted, Lord, I do pray for their salvation. May you be glorified. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. And here in our text, it's an important set of text right here because it does give us some indicators of how we can know the difference between truth and error. All right, which obviously is incredibly important in our day. I mean, I can think, I know of churches that have been, I, I can think of a, a, one of the primary churches, a, a foundational church. I don't remember the exact year it started, I believe it was like 1967 or 68 in New Guinea, an independent Baptist church there that lasted. I, I believe, I'm not sure, I've never been in, I believe it lasted close to 40 years. What took it down had to deal with doctrine. Had to deal with doctrine. It wasn't some gross immorality that took place. It wasn't just attrition going by the wayside at all. Um, where it was doctrine that came in. That, that reminds me, there was, a, there was a church right here in Anchorage that some of you might remember. Um, again, it's kind of mine because I knew the assistant pastor there back when I was here in the 90s. Um, Bruin Park Baptist Church. Matter of fact, their building's still up. It's what? Anchorage Christian Church right now at the corner of Lake Otis and, Lake Otis and O'Malley. Right there, that church. That was an independent, fundamental King James Baptist Church. They no longer exist. They ceased existing, I believe, by 2000, 2001. I don't know. Exactly. No, it took it down. It wasn't immorality. It wasn't attrition. False doctrine took them out they actually thought we entered the tribulation they were post-tribbers they went to Talkeetna and bought land we're in it we've entered it let's get ready what year is it now false doctrine that church should still be there right now it should still be there right now and it comes in different forms when I was in PNG, just true of the states as well, there were so many false teachers. 
I remember dealing with, uh, uh, they had an issue that was, and they, not me dealing with, but they, they had this guy running around there claiming he was Christ. And, and if they had put any of these things in, in the, these simple verses we read to the test, everybody would know. I mean, you know what I mean. Anybody says they're Christ. They're not. They're not. But had they put any of these things test to it, I mean, and he was getting into outright wickedness, what he was, how he was trying to use that. And to me, it was, I was just astounded, the people that believed and followed. It was just astounding. I mean, how anybody could believe that and follow that. I was just, what in the world? But I think the same thing here in America. I mean, the followers of, of, of false prophets today have been like Benny Hinn, who it's so clear in Scripture, so clear. Why do so many people follow? <clears throat> the truth is there, there's a huge lack of Bible truth and knowledge and doctrine. And because of that, it leads to much confusion over to what is error and what is truth. Um, and anyhow, there's, there's at least all kinds of issues. Uh, there is great need for truth, and truth is the key to salvation. Truth is the key to the Christian life. I mean, the, the devil, as we know, works to thwart truth any way he can. He wants to deceive. He wants to delude it. He wants to change it. And he keeps people blinded to salvation. Christians confused at how they should live for the Lord. Uh, he likes to play games with truth. And so he sends out, as we see here, uh, 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 spirits into the world that are there to confuse, to, to distort, to change truth. And really, it's our responsibility, as we're going to see here, uh, here this evening very quickly, it's our responsibility not only to know it, but to guard it. To guard it. Um, it doesn't only affect the gospel, as I said, but it affects how we live our life. You know, you, you want to operate from a position that's right, that's true. You don't want to make decisions for your life. What I mean by that is this. For instance, as time has went on, especially in the sciences, we have gained different elements of truth. Who, who knows how George Washington died? How, how, how did he die? Yeah, because he was sick. Now what we're going to do? We just got to let out some blood. <laughs> Bloodletting. Bloodletting. Because that's what they believed. But was it true? It wasn't. They were operating. They were making decisions based on something that was not true. Well, in the Christian life, if the devil can get you to believe something that's not true in error, and you're deciding how to live your Christian life based on error, don't you want to know that? <clears throat> so we need to see the importance of truth and our responsibility then to guard it. So let me dive into this, and I'll, I'll try and take about 15 minutes for this, and, and, and we'll get on this road and, and, and pray that everybody gets home safely here this evening. First off, we have the command given to us. We're going to look at just two points here this evening, the command and then the credentials, what to put to the test when it comes to truth versus error. Verse number one says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Here's the command. Try the spirits to see whether they are of God or not. We're to test them. It's a twofold command that is here. Don't believe every spirit and then try the spirits. First off, don't believe every spirit. Just because someone carries a Bible and claims to be a man of God or a person of God does not mean that you believe them. 
really, when something new approaches, I think it's safer to approach it with a measure of skepticism. So that you're not deceived by error. To determine, like those in Berea, and to search the Scriptures daily to see whether those things are so. Listen, this stuff happens. I mean, even of the Baptist churches, in America's history, there is break-offs that today are other denominations founded in error that broke off from Baptist churches because of bad doctrine, because they didn't try the spirits. Want to know a huge one? The SDA church. The Seventh-day Adventist church is a breakaway from Baptist churches. It started with one Baptist church and false doctrine, the first Baptist church of New York City, and false doctrine. All this, and what would appear to be, even though it was false, wouldn't be that harmless. But, oh, did the devil use it. See, that pastor figured out when Jesus was returning. He gave a date. He said it. It didn't happen. He gave another date. Oh, wait, I got it wrong a little bit, but this is it. He let his church know it's coming. It didn't happen. Now, he repented, actually. The pastor repented. His assistant pastor did not. They, it, he concluded it was this investigative judgment. If you're familiar with SDA, that's a foundational doctrine for them of what actually happened on that date was this. We got this wrong a little bit. And then that happened to, through a series of events, get marred to Ellen G. White, who had the vision of the fourth commandment, the Sabbath day, being elevated and lifted above the others because she was of, of the belief that we're all of a sudden everybody's disobeying the Sabbath command with a complete misunderstanding about the command of the Sabbath day. That launched the SDA movement. <clears throat> I was in a, on debutation. I came across, the majority of churches were good. They were. The majority of churches were sound and strong. But I came across some serious nutcase churches that literally I'm just sitting there and think, I just want out. I just want out. That's all I want is out. The worst one was in uh, Gainesville, Florida, where the uh, Florida, uh, not Florida State, University of Florida is. And we're there, and it was a little storefront church, and... Again, I mentioned this story, I believe, before. I had indications the church was off, but I did not catch it on the phone call. The pastor was really nice, and he would asked me, uh, you know, different things about Peter Ruckman, what I thought. So I guess I'm disagreeing. What do you disagree with? So we went over this. I can live with that. He goes, but just so you know, I thought he was joking. He said, I am to the right of Peter Ruckman. I laughed. He wasn't joking. So we get there, and another red flag went off pretty quick. Very small church. Majority of it was family. That's usually a red flag right there. And so, and he said, this is how we're going to do, it's a Sunday morning. They said, this is how we're going to do the service. He goes, you're going to preach and I'm going to preach. They don't have a Sunday school. You're going to preach and I'm going to preach. All right, that's fine. And then the, the next red flag was, was, wasn't that, was as, as he had just introduced me, I am coming up to preach. I walk by, we're in Gainesville, Florida. And it's just odd to say this as the guy's coming up to preach. You, you just met him. There's a gun in the pulpit. Use it if you need it. Okay. All right. No, I carry concealed and all that stuff, but still, what? And sure enough, I look, and there's a gun right there. And so that was another. I preached. It went fine. I sat down with my family. This is an independent fundamental Baptist church. This guy gets up. 
this is where we get in here. We've got so many people that just like to preach their hobby horses and everything else and never actually go into Scripture. And so he comes up with his Bible, and he had a stack of stuff like that on top of his Bible. I mean, just a stack of papers. I mean, I'm not kidding. It was probably about that thick. I'm like, wow, how long am I going to be here? That guy never touched the Word of God. He never expounded on one portion of Scripture. What, what we learned that day, and I got my family in there too. We learned, at the time, George W. Bush was President of the United States. He preached on how George W. Bush, he, he found out in Scripture. He found out on the Internet is what he was studying, not the Bible. If he would have studied the Bible, not the Internet, he would have been fine. But he found out that George W. Bush is, in fact, the Antichrist. Yes. The Antichrist capital that George, I'm not kidding you, would be moving to is going to be Melbourne, Australia. He had it all laid out. I mean, he had it all laid out. It was going to be Melbourne, Australia. And that's what's going to take place. That him and his dad, or other president, along with other key men in our nation, they would meet secretly in Northern California to worship the owl god. And I'm listening to this thinking, oh my goodness. And then he, and then he went on, tangent after tangent, he went on how... Um, we should rejoice with those in hell. No kidding. Even though God says, I have, no death, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. But he did. I mean, he, he hit it hard. Um, he went on how, we listened to probably 20 minutes of how we never landed on the moon. It's a NASA cover-up. NASA cover We never landed on the moon. And the government conspiracy because we never landed on the moon. We landed on the moon, people. We did. Okay. I know you go out there and read, and they'll put out the flag and the things, and, you know, we landed on the moon. There's scientific answers for every single one of those. We did it, okay? But what does that have to do anything with the Word of God? Nothing. They were just off on conspiracy, anti-government, just nothing about the kingdom of God, nothing there to help anybody in that church. Nothing. Just a complete mess. The devil has attacked truth from the very beginning. Going all the way back to the Garden of Eden, when he calls doubt about truth, he then deluded truth and then he outright denied truth. That's what it begin to do in your life. Listen, and there's a battle for young people to the oldest veteran. There is a battle for truth, for you to be confused on it, deluded on it, so you will not make right decisions. If he can convince you, yea, hath God said... And listen, we're living in such a day of compromising people not knowing why we do what we do that it's just easy to do whatever. This test, by the way, is going to be enormous problems for him here in 1 John chapter 4. Enormous. <clears throat> the devil is great at producing, as we know, counterfeits. Counterfeit truth. We went through the book of Hosea. We spent a series of Wednesday nights for several months going through the entire book of Hosea. I certainly enjoyed that. But remember why the people were destroyed? Because of lack of knowledge. They didn't know truth. We just, I just preached from Jonah a couple weeks ago or a week ago, whenever it was. Remember when we finished up that chapter in chapter 4? They didn't know their right hand from their left. They didn't have truth. Exodus chapter 7, the devil counterfeited truth with Pharaoh. Pharaoh made a wrong decision based on that. And we won't turn there for time's sake. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, 11 through 14, though, that's where Satan and his messengers, messengers excuse me, appear as what? 
Make yourself light. The devil doesn't come in with a pitchfork. doesn't come in with a shirt saying, let's worship Satan. He comes in looking like the real deal. He comes in with enough truth just so you'll give consideration to his lie. First Timothy chapter 6, and Paul is finishing his, his instructions, his admonition to Timothy. That's where he tells him to keep, to keep this, to guard it. These things I've given you, the truth, Timothy, guard it, keep it. And that is a responsibility. It's all of us, but especially the pastor of a church as we see that in that epistle. Acts chapter 20, we won't turn there again. We would have normally 27 through 31. Where the need of the pastors to feed, to shepherd correctly. Much of that you see there is based upon truth. You want me to be able to preach truth so that you can make wise decisions for your life. Many people like to, like to think that the doctrine really doesn't matter. Oh, but it does. Again, I, I, I think just a few weeks ago we brought this up, that popular saying, and it's true. Doctrine does divide. They're right. Sheep from goats is what it does. We need to guard it. We don't need to dilute it whatsoever. The second part of the command there is we are to try or test the spirits. In other words, Christians, we're not to be gullible. We're not. We're not to be gullible. Just, it's, just because it's in a book by somebody you like doesn't mean you believe it. Remember that church? Remember John, I'd warned you about it. A church in Milford, Ohio. Um, Milford, Ohio. Not Milford, Ohio. In Milton, Florida. Yeah, yeah. Wrong city, wrong state, all that stuff. I don't know where I'm at. Milton, Florida. Yeah. Yeah. They were off seriously doctrinally on, on the theme of salvation. It was bad. Independent Fundamental Baptist Church. And I knew they had to have a book from it. And one of their members, and, I, and remember, I had meetings when I was eight days. Their pastor had just died one month before the conference. He was older. And so they were without a pastor, meeting with leadership directly over this crazy doctrinal issue. And trying to say, listen, here, look at Acts 15. We have this, we have this. Then one of their members came to me. And he handed me a book written by the former pastor. He said, explain to here. And I knew, this is it. You have to try the spirits. The book had the error. The book was dealing with that error of the message on salvation. And they were a group that, that, had, that had preached, if you ever doubted your salvation, you were never saved, you're damned. That's how they put it, you're doubt, you're damned. All right. They did not believe it was possible for somebody saved to doubt their salvation. And they believed, on top of that, then they throw at you, if you've ever prayed a prayer when you got saved, you are lost. So now they create doubt. There are people who got saved over and over and over, and I'm not exaggerating. In the meeting, that small church had, again, some of their poor people who are in continuous doubt over how it's presented, getting saved over and over. But, anyhow, you have to try the spirits. It's not, does it make you feel good? It's not, simply, does it sound good? It's not, does it entertain you? It's not, did it make you cry? Did it make you laugh? It's not, did you like it? That's, none of those are the tests. That's, that's not in the text. That's not how you test it. You know, just like we've had it here with, with people that get out and preach here, and I, I, I would just cringe. He'd make you laugh, make you cry, but I'm like, there's no truth given. But boy, did it sound good. 
Many are great today at tickling your ears. Be careful. We are to be like those in the Bereans in Acts 17.11. Understand this. Truth is not to be based on experience or emotion or your vision or your dream. It's to be based on the Word of God. It's to be based on the Word of God. Again, that, that's, that's where the devil hindered a, a group of people that can be very passionate about the Lord. In genuine sincerity in the charismatic movement. But you know where he, where he got them? Was he got them to equate experience with the Word of God. Just like you know it's a pet peeve of mine. You, we still hear people do it all the time, and you might do it, and I, I would encourage you to rethink that. I don't think it's gross sin or something, but you'll have people come up and tell a story, and they've had this conversation with God. God told me this. I woke up one morning, and God said to me, you know what? I'm tired of those shoes in your closet. I got news for you. You never had a conversation like that with God in your life. You haven't. It's never happened. Why stand behind a pulpit and, and, and begin to you know, say that when none of that's ever taken place? You never heard God's audible voice. And they'll usually still say, that. I never heard God's voice, but it went like this. And they, and they have this full story conversation with God back and forth. <clears throat> I remember trying to witness to a guy in New Guinea. And uh, he, he tried to me, he said, I'm all right. And I said, how are you all right? You know, I had a dream. And he was dead serious. I mean, he, is, he was serious. He was passionate. I understood that for what this guy knew and lived in life, this is really what he believed. He said it was a dream direct from God. And how he was shooting his arrows. And the angel came to him. The arrow went straight. And he said, the angel told me, you just go as this arrow. And he elaborated on that. And he knew what that meant was, by him being good, following God's commands, he's going to be okay. Do you know, because he equated that to God, how difficult it was for me to get him to say, no. And yet I had to. I, just, I said, you need to listen to me. And I said, actually, I can't believe that dream is anywhere close to from God. And then trying to give him, I said, listen, do you believe this is the word of God? I do. I say, so what if I show you that what you just told me directly contradicts what's in here? What are you going to believe? Which one? And then he did allow me to show him. Listen, this is why that contradicts. This is why that's not true. And then telling him, listen, do you understand that the devil can come give you all the dreams you want? I said, do you think maybe it's possible he did that to deceive you and have you? And he did end up making a profession of faith that day. <clears throat> this idea that God has privately revealed some truth to you is a huge red flag. God, according to the Bible, God in his last days has spoken to us through his son. Through his son. We are to try the spirits because many false prophets are in the world. The world is filled with false teachers. Listen, the, the Lord certainly does lead and guide and direct. But listen to me. He will never go against his word. Ever. Ever. I'm going well, to cover these very quickly. I thought I might just get through the first point. But I'm just going to list these. 
Let, let's read this text. Here's some credentials that are given. I'm going to give rapidly here. The tests then that are given. Hereby know we the Spirit of God. So he says, you're to try the spirits. And then he tells them what to look for. He gives them three things here, basically, they're to look for. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. Every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist, wherefore you have heard that should come, that should come even now already in the world. The first test he gives is a big one. What do they teach about Jesus Christ? It's one of three tests. It's not the only test, but it is one of three that you're to look at. What do they teach about Jesus Christ? If you would just examine that, that would eliminate so many different groups right there. Nobody would be LDS. Nobody. They're off on the doctrine of Christ. That tells you it's a spirit of Antichrist right there. They deny the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. That would make nobody a Jehovah Witness whatsoever because of the false teaching about Jesus Christ. We could go on. United Pentecostal, because of the false teaching of the oneness movement that they teach. On and on and on. So the very first test he gives us is, okay, what is, the, is that person teaching about Jesus Christ himself? That's the very first test you're to look at. The person of Christ, his doctrine, what is attacked? Is his deity attacked? Is his deity attacked? Is, his, is the fact that he was man attacked? His teaching, what, what do they deny about him? You look at that. Does that line up with Scripture? You look at, uh, you look at Christ. Um, secondly, the next test. I want to go on these quickly here. Let me jump to the next one here. Verse 4. This is still all part of the test. He goes on to the next one here, all the way through verse 6. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. What, what he begins to give out here, really verse 4, 5, and 6, he gives a second test, switching now, comparing the life of a true believer to that of a false prophet. So what he's comparing to them. All right? He says, listen, there's things you need to look at. There's things you need to inspect that are taking place. He says, as Christians now, those who have the Spirit of God have overcome them. He's reminding listen, don't forget, you guys have stayed faithful. That's because you have the Spirit of God. You've stayed faithful. You've not fallen away. <clears throat> he is far greater than the devil and his demons. It's not even close. And this, of course, lets us know the imperative of us staying close and being yielded to the Spirit of God who guides us in all truth. Those false prophets as we read, are of the world. Therefore, guess what type of fruit they will end up bearing? A measure of carnality. A measure of worldliness will begin to come about. Matter of fact, as he goes on to say, the world hears them. Well, we can listen to that. That's all right. You can take like some of the... We see this some of in our independent Baptist churches today, but let's take some of more of the extreme, clear-cut cases. Um, I can't think of that. What's that huge church movement out of Australia? Hillsong churches, right now. Hillsong. I don't know if you're familiar with that movement, but it's it's a mess. It's a complete mess. The world doesn't mind them. The world hears them. the The amount of carnality and fleshliness within that movement is enormous. It's failing the test. You can just take these verses, 3, 4, 5, and 6, and no, no, that's, that's a false spirit that's coming out. 
Look at the fruit of it. It's a fleshliness. There's a carnality here. There's a worldliness. This isn't leading towards holiness, towards God. It's going another direction. Or you can take the ever-popular today, Joel Osteen. And, and the psychology behind his preaching of your best life now. There's a, a worldliness about it. There's a self-centered man approach when it comes to God about it. That's the test. It's failing. Listen, as it says, there are false prophets out in the world. They are of the world. Therefore, speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. And again, this is permeating into our churches today. This is beginning to affect a lot of good churches. They need to put this to the test and say, okay, wait a minute, wait, what's, what's the fruit of this? Is this going to cause believers to draw closer to the Lord or further away? Now, the devil's smart. He has counter, he has counter arguments coming in all the time. Well, what is drawing closer to the Lord? What does that actually look like? And he can actually take an element of carnality. It's just astounding to me at times. And get the person convinced that you're drawing close to God. Last sign. Let me go on here. Is a willingness to hear and submit to the word of God. Verse 6, we are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that knoweth not God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. We're of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. There's a willingness to submit to the word of God, to hear it and obey it. That's the idea of what verse 6 is teaching. Hearing here, the idea of obeying the word of God, a willingness to hear the apostles, a willingness to obey. Instead of the challenge to it. Instead of, no, no. And listen, when we get over to 3rd John, 2nd and 3rd, there were problems. There were those not willing to listen and obey. <clears throat> when you are of God, you want to do what he says. You want to obey. There should be a desire there to obey. You're still struggling in your flesh. All that takes place, but the desire is there for God. So what you're looking for, if it's true, is it producing a desire for the very words of God? Is there an element about obedience to God that is in place? You know, isn't it amazing today how the devil has done a good job in the last 60, 50 years, 50, 60 years, I would say. He's done a really good job at giving a negative connotation to words like submission, obedience. There was, there was an astounding, I, I just read this a couple days ago, I didn't, I didn't do this message, but I was astounded. I, I, I won't give the name out because there is a key doctrinal issue that I do disagree with. I wish I could though, I do. But because of the key, that's a policy I've always had. There's a key doctrinal issue, I don't want to pollute anybody, have them go there and get sucked into something that I really believe is an error. But outside of that, it's really strong. And the pastor was preaching on the idea of submissiveness, submissiveness in the home. The role of the wife and the family. And, and the guy's a powerful teacher. 
people in this church got up and walked out in the middle of it. Now, he, he didn't, he, I mean, he, he certainly didn't want to see him go, but he wasn't about to change what he was teaching. And I listened. I said, well, I better go listen. How did he do it? Just fine. Wasn't an arrogance about it. There wasn't a yelling coming across. He simply taught it. The devil's done a good job at taking key words like obedience, submission, authority, and producing in a person's mind almost instantly a negative connotation. Instantly. Do you understand the worldliness, that, that element that triggers in your mind that there's been... And, and the devil used different things. Some people have genuine, horrible experiences with church. Where that was abused. With, whether, whether it was a, 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 a pastor who actually thought he was God. Or, you know, there's been different levels. So the devil used different avenues. But boy, you need to understand. Say, Lord, help me with that. That can't be in place. Those are good things. Those are good things. Things that we need. So anyhow... Uh, um, let me close up here. I went probably 10 minutes later than I planned on going looking at that clock right here. I do want to get closed. We are to try the spirits. You are to put them to us. What do they teach you about Christ? What is the fruit of it? Is it leading to a worldliness or a carnality or, or towards God, a willingness to obey? There's certain things that you do look at that multitudes say would fail that test because it's leading not towards God, but towards a more worldliness or something maybe just a little bit pleasing to our flesh. And, now, and remember, not all things of the flesh are wicked and sinful. But the directions we're seeing a lot of these things are pointing towards the areas of things that certainly are sinful. Okay? All right, with heads bowed and eyes closed. <clears throat>